This is Marriage to the Max, episode number seven. Welcome to another episode of Marriage to the Max. I'm your host, Kelly Hurst. Brett Hurst. <laughs> is here as well. Yep. And we're marriage educators and co-founders of Home Encouragement. And this podcast is designed to help you take your marriage to the next level. Our hope is very simple. It's just to encourage you in your marriage relationship. We believe that healthy marriage should be a front burner conversation. And so we are here to help that happen. And in this episode, uh, we are honored to have our very first guest, Adam Mason, is our guest today. He's the Minister of Counseling Services at Houston's First Baptist Church. Adam is an ordained uh, Minister of Christian Counseling. He's a licensed professional counselor, supervisor in the state of Texas. He has a Master of Arts in Marriage and Family Counseling, Master of Arts in Religious Education, as well as a Bachelor of Arts in Social Service. He also has specialized uh, training in the area of spiritual direction and has been working in this area for over 24 years, and I just like him. We are <laughs> thrilled to have you, Adam, and thank you for being our guest today on Marriage to the Max. Thank you, Brad. Good morning to you and Kelly. <laughs> Appreciate this. Well, um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your family and uh, how long you've been married and that kind of thing. Okay, sure. Grew up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. I have a great family. We grew up in the church. So mm-hmm. I'm thankful for my parents for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, my parents began having marital problems when I was a teenager, and that, that's part of the woundedness that sent me in this particular mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that, I think, mm-hmm. in a moment. Uh, I have a most wonderful wife in the world, uh, Charlene. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been married for 28 years. All right. So <laughs> it's uh, an incredible, incredible journey. She's definitely someone who brings out the best in me. I know what you mean. Yeah, and so... Uh, <laughs> More than my better half, absolutely. You know, mm-hmm. better three quarters, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Uh, so thankful for that. We have three amazing children. Just uh, very, very thankful. It's it's just a true blessing. Yeah, I don't think that I could do the work that I do mm-hmm. with couples mm-hmm. if I had the distractions that so many of the couples that I see have mm-hmm. uh, with problems with with children. And and you guys know what I'm talking about. Yep. And I think that's just a blessing from God to allow me do the work that I do. Mm-hmm. It really is. No, so glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. So how did you get involved in marriage counseling? You were starting to go down that road. Sure, sure. Well, I felt a call to the ministry when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Uh, from that point, I began to try to define what does that mean. Yeah, I, I do think that the, the struggles that my parents had where my mom had filed for divorce a couple of different times mm-hmm. when I was an adolescent. Eventually, my parents did divorce. Uh, that struggle certainly formed a basis for some woundedness that expressed itself later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was a junior in college, I was taking a class in psychology, and, and part of that class uh, involved uh, some counseling skills mm-hmm. as a part of the class. And in doing that, it was clear that God had gifted me in that area. Mm-hmm. And through the own woundedness, it was only natural that I would have a passion for marriages and for families and to see God work in a way that was healing and restorative in those relationships. And I've been doing that now for, for now it's over 25 years. Well, I know there's a lot of couples that are very <laughs> grateful that you uh, responded to that call, and I, I know we are. 
Well, I'm always interested in asking uh, marriage counselors and therapists if there's a common issue that you see most with couples that you work with. I mean, if you had to sort of, you know, map it out, is there one that just seems to be, oh, we're dealing with this again? It's kind of a universal issue. Well, the simple answer to that would be sin. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, but at, at the risk of being over simplistic and, and, and spiritualizing it. Um, but that is the reality. That is the core issue that's there. Now, mm -hmm. if we could break it down and say, you know, what are the typical types of sins that are there? I'd say for women, uh, I'm more prone to see areas of expectations mm -hmm. where they are comparing the relationship, they're comparing their husband to something else that's out there. Okay. You know, perhaps it's romance novels, perhaps it's something that's in the book, <clears throat> perhaps it's their family of origin, their parents' relationship that's been idealized over time. So it's this expectation that's there. And for men, I would say it's pride. Uh, there's such a core terror in the heart of men that they're not going to be enough, that they're not going to be sufficient, and that they mask that with this pride, with a sense of being invulnerable. And, um, and women need that vulnerability. And so that mm -hmm. pride works against laying that foundation on, of authenticity, of intimacy, mm -hmm. emotional intimacy particularly. Uh, that's such a, a core part of what a marriage needs to survive. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. That's great. One of the things we're always trying to do is to encourage couples and or even individuals in a marriage to to get more comfortable in the world of marriage encouragement or counseling or enrichment or anything that's going to move their marriage to the next level. How do you encourage a person who's interested in marriage counseling but the spouse is not interested? That's a question that surfaces fairly frequently where you have one person who's more interested in working on the marriage mm -hmm. than the other. Mm -hmm. uh, our typical encouragement is for the one who wants to come to counseling to come by themselves. Mm -hmm. And I know there's something that's common sense about it takes two people to work on a marriage, but in reality, uh, marriage works as a system, and if you change one person within that system, it forces a change. Mm -hmm. And what we find is when a person begins to explore their own sinfulness in the marriage, when they catch a vision for the person God's created them to be and they begin to move towards that, mm -hmm. that it does elicit a change from the other person. Changes the whole dynamic. It does, and oftentimes it encourages the other person. Sometimes it does drive a wedge because mm -hmm. if one person is not interested in following God and the other person becomes more passionate, mm -hmm. then obviously that wedge deepens. Mm -hmm. But uh, that's not an, an excuse or a reason to not pursue God. You know, mm. that's ultimately your source of peace and joy anyway. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like a dance step. If one of you changes the step, the other person is either forced to go along with it or not dance at all. <laughs> right, right. They're, they're left in the corner. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, um, what would you say, because we, we like to talk about this in terms of just, you know, what does the Bible say in just a very simplistic way? What is the primary job of a husband in marriage, and what's the primary job of a, of a wife in marriage, and are they different at all? If you looked at it from the global perspective, you know, the, in terms of the biblical principle, it would be the same goal. Mm -hmm. The way they are expressed becomes different, mm -hmm. and, and there are some gender differences and some role differences in the way those things are, are being expressed. Um, Christ uses marriage as a metaphor for his relationship with us. Mm -hmm. okay. and, he, and, and in doing so, he gives us a glimpse of the Trinitarian relationship that exists within God himself mm -hmm. and says that ultimately that's the design of marriage is not to be the Trinitarian relationship. That's impossible, but it points us to that. 
Okay. Right? And, and in so that typology is what right, you're saying. Right, right. It points us to that's what the relationship is supposed to be about. And as you look at the way that the Father and the Son and the Spirit relate, there is no jealousy, there is no pride, there is no selfishness. You know, it's a, it is unconditional love. It is total acceptance. It's a great setup. Uh, yeah, mm-hmm. and it's the model for what we're supposed to experience. So if I take that and extrapolate that, uh, the core essence for marriage, it's to say that because Charlene and I are not divine, we're, we're humans, we're in this fallen world, mm-hmm. the deepest battle for us is not a battle between me and what I want and her and what she wants. The deepest battle for each of us is a battle between our own flesh and our own spirit, mm-hmm. okay? between the part of me that wants to follow God and be in obedience to him and the part of me that wants what I want, that mm-hmm. selfishness. It's mm-hmm. that a battle that Paul talks about in Romans 7. Those mm-hmm. things I know I should do, I don't do. Those things I know I shouldn't do, I do. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So that is my core battle. That's my core struggle. Mm-hmm. Okay? And in marriage, it's supposed to be that sort of complete and total intimacy where my wife knows my deepest battle and how that plays out in my life. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. That there's not just uh, an emotional intimacy and a conversational intimacy as we talk about things with each other that we don't talk about with anybody else. Mm-hmm. And certainly there's supposed to be that physical and sexual intimacy with her that's not present with anybody else. Mm-hmm. But there also should be a spiritual intimacy between us that doesn't exist anyplace else. Mm-hmm. And one of the core values of that spiritual relationship is I let her know where that battle is for me, hmm. where that battle is between the flesh and spirit. And ultimately her role in marriage is she's the person that enters into that battle with me, mm-hmm. that she believes in the person God's created me to be. Mm-hmm. You know, Not believes in me, but believes in God in me because she right. has seen those expressions of godly strength that God has placed in me. Okay. So she's the one person that believes in that and holds on to that even when I'm walking in the flesh, even when I'm not acting the way that God created me to act. Mm-hmm. Because she's seen that and she knows that, she can believe in that and she can stand for that, and she can speak that truth into my life and call me back to the person God created me to be. So she can enter into that battle for my soul, mm-hmm. if you will. Mm-hmm. And conversely, you know, I'm to journey with her in a way that I have seen the godly woman that God's created her to be. Mm-hmm. I've seen the expressions of godly beauty in her relationships like nobody else has mm-hmm. because of the way that we have walked together. I know when she struggles, and I know the areas where she struggled because she shares that with me. You have insight that no one else has. Right, Mm -hmm. right. And so I can then step into that battle for her soul. I can bring the the way that God's created me, the godly strength that he has put into me, and and, and those characteristics uh, that are part of the image of God that that I possess, that Mm -hmm. God's imbued me with. Mm -hmm. Um, And I can bring those to play in the battle for her soul. Okay. So in that sense, marriage is unique because it's the only place that we can enter into that battle mm-hmm. to that depth Right. that's present. Now, the way that we express that, the way that I enter in the battle for her is going to be different from the way she enters into that battle for me. And part of that is our role. Part of that is our gender. But the overarching concept is the same. Hmm. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So, so what I hear you saying is that in this unique oneness that you have in marriage, that you are working as a team to really zero in on these specific issues of the heart together and pray for each other and be sounding boards for each other and encouragement for each other within finding out what those pieces of brokenness are in in yourselves as individuals and even as a couple, how you're broken as a couple together sometimes. Is that close? I have to set aside all my pride. Mm -hmm. 
so that I'm willing to let her see those struggles mm -hmm. that are there. Mm -hmm. And not for the purpose of being the martyr or the victim, right. for the purpose of, of inviting her in to that battle. Mm -hmm. And she has to side all, set aside all of her expectations of the way that she wants me to treat her. And the only expectation that she can have is that I will be the person God created me to be, not because of my will or volition, but because of God's work within me. So all that you're saying requires a very safe place mm -hmm. for both husband and wife to be able to do absolutely those mm -hmm. things. So and I, and I hear you saying it that it requires such active, you know, daily laying down that pride of mm -hmm. you know I'm in the middle of reading uh, Tim and Kathy Keller's book The Meaning of Marriage mm -hmm. and that idea is coming back to me again heading into 25 years of marriage mm -hmm. of my job is to help Brett be everything God has in store for Brett. Mm -hmm. And, and I can does. take that and twist it, and I can put a different spin on it and go, oh, well, that means I need to fix him. Mm -hmm. But what I'm getting, or just kind of God is reminding me once again of, is when, it's when I get out of the way and mm -hmm. get my own agenda off right. the table that he can use me to be that person yeah. to help Brett become who he's supposed to be. There's a huge difference between managing Brett, mm -hmm. right, right, <laughs> and releasing Brett, yes, to be the God, the person God created him to be. Yeah, release you know, me. <laughs> you know, Brett already has in him everything that he needs mm -hmm. to fully be everything God intends him to be, mm -hmm. and you have within you, Kelly, everything that God that you need. To completely be the woman that he created you to be, mm -hmm. okay? and oftentimes as husbands and wives trying to manage one another, we get in the way of that process. Right. Okay? Right. Rather than providing grace and freedom to mm -hmm. our spouse, we right. provide rules and regulations mm -hmm. and bondage. Yeah, mm -hmm. and it's yeah. exhausting. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. And so, what does it mean to relate to somebody in a way that sets them free to be? And it deals dealing with my fear mm -hmm. yeah. that the person they might ultimately be might not be the person that meets my needs. Mm -hmm. Right. And am I willing to trust that God has that in control? Mm, yeah. Mm. Outstanding. You're listening to Marriage to the Max. Welcome back to Marriage to the Max. We are continuing our conversation with Adam Mason, Minister of Counseling Services at Houston's First Baptist Church. And before the break, we were talking about um, that wonderful topic of selfishness in marriage. And keeps coming back up. <laughs> it keeps coming back up. Over and over. And, um, and that our job really in marriage so oftentimes is just to step out of the way and let the Holy Spirit do the work um, for our spouses, which leads us to another question. And I mean, I know the answer to this, but I'd like to hear you say what it is in practical terms. How central is the role of the Holy Spirit in a marriage? I don't know that you can have a godly marriage without the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. As we try to look at the distinctives of what it means to be a Christian counselor even mm -hmm. versus a Christian marriage, um, there are many so-called attributes of a marriage that can be adopted mm -hmm. by people who aren't believers. Mm -hmm. Right. It's that common grace that they experience mm -hmm. from just the benefit of marriage. Is that what you're saying? Right. You know, well, behaviors. Yeah. And, and, and I struggled with this as a marriage counselor for years. 
um, because I would do the research and review the different criteria that were there. And I could tell you the characteristics of a healthy family, the characteristics of a healthy marriage, uh, those sort of characteristics that were required for a marriage to make it long term. Mm -hmm. And I could try to get people to learn those skills, to right. adopt those behaviors and characteristics. And as they were struggling to maintain those, what we realized that those were not sustainable. Mm -hmm. Because you can't have a godly marriage unless you first have a godly man right. and a godly woman. Hmm. Because uh, there's limits to your own flesh. I mean, you mm -hmm. can only go so far. The flesh can't sustain godly behavior. Absolutely. It can mimic it short term. Right. Hmm. Right. Okay. And so the only way you become godly is by yielding to the work of sanctification. And the Bible clearly defines that sanctification is the role of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, mm -hmm. So without sanctification, there can be no godliness. And without becoming a godly man or a godly woman, you can never have a godly marriage. A godly marriage is not a goal or a target or a separate entity. It's a byproduct mm -hmm. of a godly man and a godly woman relating in community. So what I hear oh, you saying is a husband or wife, even a, even a Christian husband or wife, can't purely say, I'm just going to pull myself up by my bootstraps each day and give it my best shot without yielding to the power of the Holy Spirit because there is a finite wall that you hit by trying to do things in your own strength. Absolutely. You know, the best that you can hope for in that situation is to simply manage your sin more effectively. Right. And in doing that, we are downplaying the power of the flesh mm -hmm. and the power of the attack of Satan. Mm -hmm. and, and that's the last thing in the world that we want to do is to be unaware of the power that those two things have mm -hmm. to derail us individually in our walk with God and certainly in our marriage and our families. We don't have to fear that, but we definitely need to know mm -hmm. that this is a relentless battle. Absolutely. Yeah. Adam, I've heard you talk before about how, and this kind of ties into what I think you were just saying, you've, you've talked before about how Western culture puts too much emphasis on doing rather than on being. And uh, I'd like to know more what you mean by that in our culture, this concept of American pragmatism, Western mm -hmm. pragmatism is so ingrained in us mm -hmm. that the making a shift from that way of thinking is counterintuitive for us. Exactly. Right. And, and so the, the, uh, the question or the, the typical format is we'll spend a session discussing the difference between being and doing, and at the end, the person will ask me, okay, so what do I need to do? <laughs> What's my action step? Yeah. What's the next step? <laughs> what do I need to do? And you just kind of have to, to laugh and say, yeah, that, that is a reaction. You know, right. That's the, the typical response that are there. Well, when we realize, first of all, going back to the concept we made earlier about sanctification, that sanctification is the work of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. We can't sanctify ourselves. Mm -hmm. uh, so we have to start with that beginning spot. Right. We can't save ourselves. Uh, we can't sanctify ourselves. We're incapable. Well, we're incapable. This yeah. is not possible. So you start with that as your basic premise. Mm -hmm. Okay. That, okay, I'm going to wait and be still and know God. Wait and let God work uh, within me. Mm -hmm. Okay. And to focus on then identifying okay, who I am in Christ. What's my identity? Mm -hmm. you know? uh, there's, there's a concept in the romance novels and the popular media that says, I define my identity and my security and my worth based upon my marriage, based upon my house, based upon my car, based upon my job title, based upon the, my bank account balance. And scripture is clear 
that our identity and our security and worth have to be solely rooted in Christ. Right. We can't get those from anything else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's one of those expectations that sabotages marriage is we look to marriage to heal us. We look at marriage to give us our identity. Mm-hmm. We look at marriage to give us our security. And marriage is simply incapable of providing that to us. That's too much of a burden to place on another human being. Hmm. So that Tom Cruise line about you complete me. That's, that's <laughs> it, what it's we're great talking. romance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Good line in a movie. It's a good line in a movie. You know, uh, But it's not reality mm-hmm. that are there. And so we start with that premise of, okay, that I have to start with this element of what Larry Crabb calls God obsession. Mm. Mm-hmm. You know, C.S. Lewis would call the difference between first things and second things. Mm. Right. The first thing is my relationship with God and the intimacy with there. The second thing would be all those other good things in life, a good marriage, uh, you know, a strong financial portfolio, healthy children. All those things are great and wonderful. Mm-hmm. But if we begin to pursue those things with greater Zest, as, as the end all. Then the, the, the first thing, which is our relationship with God, then we typically wind up losing both. Hmm. Hmm. So C.S. Lewis says if we pursue first things, we get first things with a few second things thrown in. Mm-hmm. If we pursue second things, we lose both. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a great way of expressing that. So to move towards that God obsession of, of finding our identity and security and worth firmly rooted in Christ and start with that. And then we begin to catch a glimpse of the person we were created to be. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that concept of Imago Dei, that man was created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. Because God is infinite, mm-hmm. then there are an infinite number of expressions hmm. of who he right. is. Hmm. So the, the thing that most of us strive for is to have that sense of uniqueness, mm-hmm. to define that thing that's uniquely ours. And we keep striving to define that with things of the world, when in reality, that for which we seek is really that Imago Dei, that unique way we, we've been created to reflect the image of God. Mm-hmm. And we're never more fulfilled than we, when, than when we discover the person God created us to be. And we're and walking we that out. With a place of passion. Mm-hmm. The trick is that we can't discover that on our own. Mm-hmm. We need community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We need people that we're doing journey with, that we're walking together with, uh, whether it's a spouse or whether it's a small group. Mm-hmm. Uh, that can see those different elements and help us discover who we were created to be. Mm-hmm. To be able to say, Adam, I see a great passion in you when you talk about this. Mm-hmm. That's something that really is of God. And, and then I'm able to say, you know, you're, you're right. I, I can see that. But because of our own limited awareness, that's mm-hmm. not something we can discover on our own. So just mm-hmm. in the same way that parents need to resist the temptation to reparent their kids in the way they think their children should go. Mm. And they can be, conversely, a good, helpful discernment partner for their kids to Mm. say, hey, I really see this strength in you and I really see this talent in you and maybe you might explore this calling in your life or maybe this is a calling in your life. Back to marriage, that's what husbands and wives can do effectively for each other is to help discern and be part of that God's the one that shapes, but but be part of that, speaking life and truth into each right. other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the two questions for biblical community are, number one, how do I most experience God in you? Hmm. And number two, as I journey with Christ and as I'm walking with Christ, what's most alive of God in mm-hmm. me for you, mm-hmm. if that makes sense? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, and that's important for biblical community and especially important for marriage. Mm-hmm. Okay, and so we begin to discover then, because of, of marriage and because of community, uh, our uniqueness, the person we were created to be, uh, those different attributes are, that are there, then our focus becomes on being that person. Mm-hmm. Then when we're placed in a set of circumstances, the question is not what do I need to do in this circumstance? The question is 
based upon the person God created me to be, what would it look like to be that person in this situation? Right. Hmm. To be consistent with who God created me to be. Hmm. Boy, this is counter cultural, <laughs> counterintuitive stuff yeah. you're unpacking here. Yeah. And it's even countercultural to the Christian subculture. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like a lot of Christians I know don't talk about this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, they're just, I think the language is not, we're not really mm-hmm. educated mm-hmm. on really how to, um, you know, the sanctification and walking in the spirit mm-hmm. and all of that is just kind of, I think in a lot of churches, sadly, that's kind of left off the table in mm-hmm. conversation. And mm-hmm. so I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, a lot of Christian church-going couples that I know who are listening to this going, I've never even <laughs> known this or heard of this, you know, kind of idea before. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it goes back really to original sin. Mm-hmm. When you go back to the first couple of chapters of Genesis, one of the words that's used for man, for male, mm-hmm. uh, literally means the one who remembers. Mm. And so as Adam stood beside Eve when she was tempted, Mm -hmm. and she's tempted by the serpent about what did God really say, and no, that's not true, God's not telling you the truth. All the fuzziness. All the fuzziness that's there. Adam was the one that heard the rule. Mm -hmm. He was the one that had the conversation with God. Eve wasn't created when Mm -hmm. Adam had the conversation with God. Right. Mm -hmm. So Adam knew his identity, his name, was the one who remembers. Hmm. And he chose in that moment not to act on what he remembered. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And so he let go of his identity. Mm-hmm. And we see that over and over again in marriages today where we choose not to be the person we were created to be. Right. And we could say, okay, well, Eve took of the fruit and then she gave it to Adam. Why did Adam take of the fruit? And the common thought was because he knew the rule. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so he, he, he was, surely he wasn't deceived in the same sense that Eve was deceived because he had heard the rule. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet he went ahead and ate of it. Mm-hmm. In that moment, he chose peace with Eve over peace with God. Right. And we see that over and over again in marriages today where the man chooses not to lead in the relationship, chooses not to be a man of godly strength because he wants to appease his wife which might be on the surface what she's asking for, but it's not what she most deeply wants. Right. It's not what she most deeply needs. So what you're saying is passivity is what's killing a lot of our Absolutely. marriages. Mm-hmm. And passivity for a male is it's rejecting the identity of the person he was created to be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I agree totally. And so this whole concept of choosing not to be and focusing on doing goes all the way back to the garden. Right. This is rich stuff. Uh, yeah, it is. Absolutely. <laughs> We've got a lot more to cover, and we're going to have to... Are you willing to stick around and do a part two episode with us? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) We'll we'll feature that uh, on our next uh, release. We're very grateful to Adam, and we'll continue the conversation on our next podcast episode. If you would like to contact us, you can find us at marriagetothemax.org. You can also check out homeencouragement.org, or you can email us at thehursts at homeencouragement.org, and that is spelled H-U-R-S-T-S. Also, we hope you'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, remember, healthy marriage, healthy world. God bless y'all.